disgusting, rancid. Welcome to Noclip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we are going to be talking about Harvester, a 1996 point and click adventure game. It was de- developed by DigiFX Interactive. <laughs> Uh, but, like, it's the brainchild of a guy whose name is Gilbert P. Austin, and that's probably the person who you should credit and or blame yeah. for this game. I feel like they even changed their name during development. I think I read earlier, but I don't remember what the original name is. Like, something like Future Software or something. Something with Future in the title. That sounds... And they changed it before they released the game. Uh, I'm not going to look this up right now, I say, as I scroll through the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Here, instead of that... What was uh, the original name of the man who created this game again? Uh, his name is Gilbert P. Austin. Okay. Is he still at large? Is at, he... uh, <laughs> no, I think he's he's serving his third consecutive life sentence <laughs> Okay, for the creation of Harvester. That's good. Uh, it's acceptable. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Okay, so there's so much about Harvester that I want to talk about that's all just sort of tangential to what Harvester the game itself actually is. Um, Because, I don't know, like, there's some things that I kind of want to just get get out of the way, which is, this game, first of all, makes a very bold claim. The the game on its box art has one of those, like, someone dies in this issue, giant size X-Men, like, explosion bubbles Mm -hmm. on it, Mm -hmm. that reads, the most violent video game ever created. And, uh, that is is quite the claim, albeit it was 96, but, uh... Yeah, it's it's very hard to describe this game. It's very much a product of its time, though, in that way. It has the mark of the 90s extremism, Mm-hmm. It's like it's not just a violent video game. It's the most violent video game you've ever played. <laughs> it's a point and click adventure game, obviously. The best medium for well, conveying and, violence. <laughs> right, but the the reason they're able to make that claim uh is because this game actually uses full motion video, mm-hmm. not just in cutscenes, but for all its character sprites as well. Oh, so did they really like pull the eyes out of that baby? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> a definitive yes. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, some of it is animated, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> but oh like, God. like, like Steve's sprite. Like they it's actually all footage of the actor actually walking that they've turned into a, a walk sprites. cycle. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually put it in the game. So the the FMV ness of the game plays a lot into its overall aesthetic, which is. I would argue probably the best part of the game yeah, is, and, is its visual. And the whole look. point I even brought that up is because they use real footage of real people, it's able to be a lot more graphic and or gory than a lot of other games at the time. Right. In a way that still holds up in a terrible, terrible way, too. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd like horribly pixelated representations of photographs of people. A-OK. Timeless. <laughs> like... This is the only game I've ever played that really felt like a B-movie. Like, it is a B-movie in game form. Right. The closest I've ever had to that is, like, some moments of, like, Catherine. But most games that try to be B-movie games, 
because their video games and often modern games have so much funding that they look like way too polished for what they're trying to be. Yeah. We talked about this phenomenon at least twice before. Uh, the first instance of which was in Resident Evil 4 where we compared the dialogue and the plot of the game to a B-movie and how it's sort of like is self-aware and pokes fun at its own genre while in the gameplay still maintaining sort of a, a straightforward action game. And then again in Bayonetta where it felt like it was supposed to be a B-movie, but they kept losing track of like what the game's tone was. So it would be like maybe a little bit too self-serious to be a B-movie. And then other times where it probably could have saved them from some some heartache if they had just like leaned into it more. Yeah, and Catherine's a surprisingly good comparison, I think. Because mm-hmm. this really feels like a first draft weird idea that they just greenlit and Catherine kind of has that same feel to it Mm -hmm. like where it's like it feels like this idea was given way too much production value you know what i mean like there's and it creates this dissonance (laughs) where it's just like a weird cocktail of tone and aesthetic and writing and everything you know all the elements that make up a piece of media yeah and part of the reason why i call out uh the author like the person who who you know wrote and and directed a lot of this game is because it also feels like an like an auteur work like something where this guy sat down and it was like mostly his voice and mostly his vision that just got translated to the game also another thing i read earlier um he actually directed all of the cutscenes. Like, mm. they were supposed to hire somebody else, but he wanted <laughs> a specific tone and vision that he thought no one else would get. Sure. So he actually directed all the all the cutscenes. And to be clear, this game does not look like it has production values, especially <laughs> well, after, especially in retrospect now. Okay, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, because everything looks kind of comical back at the time. Uh But what's shocking is that they managed to get this many distinct actors and other, like, real people to sign on to this. Because, you know... I mean, there's a lot of people trying to make it in Hollywood. I mean, (laughs) you'd be surprised. You cut them a paycheck, people do dumb shit. That's true. But the other thing is that you can also... There are a couple of instances, I believe, I actually didn't confirm this, but it... Either they got very similar looking people or reused actors for some parts in the the late the last day they of the game. Them. Yeah, where it's sort of like there they introduced so many characters that they couldn't possibly have like that many people on their payroll. That actually well, it might be a little bit of column A and column B here, but mm-hmm. I feel like that feels intentional to me. Because I think that's supposed to like foreshadow the whole this has all been a simulation thing right. that we'll get into later, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I, but that felt like an intentional choice to me to reuse actors and do, as different characters. Well, we probably want to focus on upfront, more specifically describing this weird B movie feel that I've been trying to beat around the bush about, uh, is how just completely perplexing this game is almost immediately. Uh, the like 1950s vibe uh, doesn't quite come off as strong, I think just partially because of the production values of the day. But oh man, does the weirdness like just burn through into you immediately. Yeah, yeah that, um, that 1950s like Leave it to Beaver kind of feel it has, mm-hmm. uh, I, 
I agree. Like, it doesn't come off, I think, as strong as maybe they wanted. But another read on it is kind of, it kind of feels like a fusion of 1950s and also modern times mm-hmm. to me. Because, like, Steve's dressed like any guy in 1995, like exactly, in a flannel yeah. and, like, Astrid Wash jeans. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, there's some stuff that feels modern about it and other things that feel very 50s. Like, it's like a like a lot of things in this game, like a weird mix. Yeah. Yeah, so it not only is it that, but it's like, it, we get this this 50s vibe, and then also it just immediately, like the first interaction that you're likely going to have is going to be with your younger brother, who's sitting in front of the TV, and you talk to him about the TV, and how it's like, not a, it's not a color TV, it's like a retro TV, and he like questions your use of retro, and they show like a clip on the TV of a guy just, like, getting shot in the face. Mm, it's and, like cowboys and Indians. Yeah. So you end up with this situation where it's, like, the fastest derailings of <laughs> of uh, anything imaginable, where it, like, wants to put you into that, that weird tone as soon as possible that, like, the eventual conclusion feels almost out of place because it's like it's gone back onto the tracks, mm-hmm. which trains don't normally do (laughs) (laughs) yeah like they definitely and i think even successfully a lot of the time like there's as i'm sure we'll get more and more into a lot of like this is a mixed bag right and like across the board like all aspects of this game but like i think they're largely successful in parodying the 50s style in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable like i feel like a lot of the dialogue and things are working as intended. I but I don't know if you what how I feel like reading like about the reception of this game. I don't know if a lot of people would agree with that. <laughs> so I wanted to know what you guys thought. Well, the reception. I assume this game came out around or like just before a lot of the crazy like game violence litigation stuff a little bit after actually really i yeah, always we... forget whether that was like like 2001 <laughs> or like 89 yeah it's, i want to uh, say closer to 89 probably it, 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 it was the early to mid 90s and the reason that i was able to develop that uh, date in my head just now is because we literally were just playing night trap <laughs> like not even a few hours ago and uh the they in in the new version of night trap they include a documentary from 1995 that is a like a look back on like the litigation on games and like what created the esrb yeah. and so i think that was 95 96 like that era which is when this came out right so it would have been like right after that right which is exactly this is sort of what i wanted to this is like i guess my thesis here is that this game is like as you know the the adage goes like all works of art are political in some way and this game is very intentionally political like it has a statement that it wants to make but i cannot for the life of me pin down what this game's actual like philosophy is <laughs> like it's statement where it is games do not create violent people here's an absurdist take on that notion is crystal clear they're not subtle about it at all they're not subtle about anything <laughs> I think that relates back to what I said about this feeling like a first draft that they just gave the green light. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not really sure it has a concrete message. Because it's definitely trying to do some kind of a commentary about (laughs) does watching violence make a violent person 
but then at the end it kind of seems like it just says no that's stupid but <laughs> then like what cartoons yeah <laughs> but then but then what was the whole game about like i think it's because it, there's the whole th- part about like the setup is steve has been put into this simulation and shown all of this disturbing like imagery and interacts with all these people like everything's a little bit off uh and is slowly like breaks down his uh moral compass and he commits more and more violence as it goes on right and it's supposed to be turning him into a serial killer um for whatever reason uh that's not really explained uh some kind of experiment by an evil corporation or whatever yeah uh but, it seems more occult than that, but yeah. that's something. And then at the about. end, it like gives you the choice, like, do you just go along with it or not? And I think that's kind of what the the weight is supposed to be is like. But that doesn't really work because the game doesn't really put you enough in Steve's shoes, right? You know, like it's supposed to feel like a. I think it's supposed to feel like an actual like interesting choice like a psychological choice for the player to make and it just isn't no the choice shouldn't be there like if we're being like just frank about it in order for the game to get its intended message across you have to make the decision to kill uh stephanie yeah and if you don't then the then the game doesn't like it's it's gag its entire premise its purpose for being does not land it's like the 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 purpose is to show this like absolutely like 11 out of 10 extreme version of what if doing or like playing a violent game or watching a violent television show actually made you violent and then at the end you go Eh, no, and then you just <laughs> yeah. aren't violent. Then the it, it doesn't land. It, like its whole message yeah. doesn't make sense. I feel anymore. like what they needed to do to make it work was not make Steve have amnesia. Like I feel like to, the way to make this kind of story to work is to kind of take like a Breaking Bad kind of route, where like you you set up like a sympathetic character and ease the player into like their motivations to where like they end up doing terrible things later but you're like oh it's all justifiable because you've been along with them on this gradient you know Mm -hmm. like that's the way to do that so at the end you're like oh do i do this you know (laughs) to like help the play like the character out because i've you know care about them because i've been on this journey with them or do i say no fuck you because i have morals right you know like you know it, it works in that context and the game does not have that. No. This whole game was such a dark satire all the time that I even analyzed that ending, that choice, as a satire of its own. This is 100% like me applying modern context to an older game, but I could not go through that ending without thinking, like, this is a comically exaggerated form of Bioware-style morality systems, <laughs> where the choice is like, you get to be a serial killer and kill everyone you meet for no reason or justification, or you, like, live a nice, happy life with your wife. Mm-hmm. But, but it's re- not real. And yeah. End of story. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if it's not That's real. That's true. Which is yeah. the weirdest thing. It makes no difference to you. You have no memories of before when you were there, Correct. and they, were, they stipulate that... Oh, and you'll be dead in five minutes. But you'll deal. It It'll really feel like a lifetime. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And not only that, but like the. Uh... <laughs> God, I hate it. Um, <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so they, they also, they, not only do they stipulate that, they also set up this whole situation where they say, you'll get your memories back and all that. But even in the epilogue, after you've made the choice to become a serial killer, you really don't seem to get your memories back. So I feel like if you did, you probably wouldn't just kill a woman in her yeah, car. that's what I was thinking. It's like, just because you make the choice to kill Stephanie and leave the simulation doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to be a serial killer. Like, also that, yeah. <laughs> you could just do that, leave, and not kill anybody else ever again. Right. You know? Uh, spoilers, by the way. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Okay, so this has been a mess so far. Yes, um, much like the game itself. Yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to, to kind of latch on to something that you had said, because something uh, came up to me, you being JJ, I'm a radio I host. came up to you, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something that occurred to me while I was playing this game that I, I just, like, couldn't shake for whatever reason is that, like, I, in recent times, and I don't know if this is, like, a widespread thing or it's just in, like, the weird game criticism bubble that I exist in, like, mm-hmm. the people that I watch and listen to, have frequently pointed out that Grand Theft Auto specifically has this, like, almost dangerously nihilistic, cynical worldview. And, like, if anything... Man, Harvester had you beat by 10 years. <laughs> like, Harvester's, like, overall worldview and the way that they've built this this 50s world, the things they choose to satirize versus the things they choose to take seriously, is, like, the most pessimistic reading on American society that I think has, like, existed in video games. It's so pessimistic, it often fails to feel like criticism to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it... it Honest to God, just seems like it was a long form version of one of the shorts that Adult Swim commissions, like the Too Many Cooks guy. Like, yeah. this is right at home there. Yeah, for sure. And that was like my weirdest takeaway from this is that I feel like, like you said earlier, Andy, that, that, that this game probably wasn't received very well in 1996, <laughs> it wasn't. right? Am I right? Yeah, You're shocker. Is, <laughs> it, <laughs> is that because I feel like if you kiss the 1996, like, imagine trying to talk about this game in like, EGM magazine like it's you're not gonna have the kind of marketing and the kind of culture that existed in games at this time had absolutely no place for this but this feels just like right at home on like a weird gaming YouTube channel yeah I feel like its audience is now like it is today no I agree a hundred percent like I was like one of the first things you do is you talk to your brother Jimmy right no Jimmy's the paper oh well whatever your brother's name Hank yeah yeah okay Hank and he's watching the Cowboys and Indians show, and he says, like, and Steve says, shouldn't you not be allowed to watch, like, such violent programming because you're, like, nine or whatever? <laughs> right. And he says, oh, this is history. It's part of what made America great. And I was like, <laughs> this feels really relevant right now. <laughs> and it feels like it wouldn't have been relevant at all in the 90s. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like A I'll... gross misunderstanding of history does kind of feel like yeah. right now. Yeah. Yes. But, like, yeah, like, the kind of... The way that the economy and the culture was in the 90s definitely feels like it doesn't mesh with this game. Yeah. It, it's it's real super weird. Because, like, especially, like, in the 90s, like, man, this is a weird time to get into, like, an economic discussion. But, like, <laughs> the U.S., as far as, like, uh, it's been since then, uh, a pretty good place. I don't think anybody was that concerned about the U.S. economy in 1996. No, it was the no. biggest economic expansion of the country in the history of the country. Yeah, yeah. and it, like, and yet this game has its like 
it has like an almost they live style like uh, commentary on like capitalist society to some extent yeah but like a lot of it's just sort of like the the stepford wives thing <laughs> where it's like having a we like a normal Amer- like the idealized american life is inherently weird and bad is like it's overall thing but then it also has this like kind of like i want undertone then brief extreme shot to forefront and then back to the background like weird homophobic issue <laughs> and yeah. like because like it, it starts out you can only analyze this game as a comedy i feel like that's that's the only way. It's we're talking about it. Ooh, it's Halloween, uh, spooky. It's not a scary game. This is, was designed as a comedic game, I think, from the get go. Yeah. And because of that, like you can laugh off the things, like the things that they talk about. With so many of the people are all just like very clearly satire or like just like sarcastic ribbing, and then there are some things that are like maybe a little bit too. Spot on, a little bit like where a little, a little on the nose, where they seemed like there are certain characters in the game who seem to be exhibiting what are just like totally normal traits that the game just wants to shit on for whatever reason. <laughs> well, the homophobia thing felt like the satire of the fifties kind of thing to me. Just but, well, yeah. I mean, that was like. People were still really homophobic in the 90s, even, so... Yeah, no, it was, yeah. It's more the representation uh, of, yeah. of the gay people in the game. But oh, then, yeah. The but... representation is just <laughs> beyond... Like, imagine the most stereotypically, like, negative portrayal of a gay person, mm-hmm. and then multiply it by five, and that's what you have in this game. Yeah. Which also seems kind of of the time, but it is problematic and shitty. But even the way that they treat, like, military veterans. Like oh, that, yeah. That one <laughs> character is, like, so, like, is not played in the same way that other characters are, where they say something that's, like, obviously, this is an insane person saying a crazy thing. It's like, they play him as an insane character straight, and then it just, like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, like I somehow forgot about that character from the first time we played it, like two years ago. But like, I might have thought that he was like the funniest character this time. Like the way that oh, they yeah. play, like how he delivers his lines and everything. It's just really funny. The whole missile base fulfills a absolutely critical role of the game that I love to death. Mm-hmm. Probably gonna be my main takeaway of this long term. I love that as soon as you get into the map screen, the first corner that you notice after like going through 50s house and things like, be like, oh, this is a little bit weird. You need to give the paper to the paper boy? What's up with that? And then you're yeah. just like, nuclear missiles just like <laughs> dominating the corner of the screen. So of course, of course, your attention is caught there. You immediately go to explore the nuclear missile base in your town. Right. Uh, and you talk to the guy. And if you talk to the guy too much, he kills you and then exterminates all life on Earth. Yeah. Um, which, so... And that is like an immediate, it takes you to, to, it makes you appreciate the consequences of seemingly mundane decisions. It shows you that something is not just kind of off, but like extremely off (laughs) with the town immediately. Uh, And and it really gets in the whole like crazy 50s satire vibe just as quickly. I think it's it's great because it's almost like it's 
pretty much a forced game over. Yeah. If you're coming into this fresh, you have no reason to stop talking to the guy. Until... We died there the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah like, it's not even a very continual early. talking. You can actually, I think, talk your way out of the death, but we didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Most people won't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I love it as setting up that standard of like, oh, if you do things like just barely slightly abnormally, then, you know, Holocaust, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> It makes, us, of, it makes you really diligent with the save function. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which one is also of, important to this One game. of yeah. our first experiences was, like, the house that's, like, right next to yours is the wasp lady, like, the abandoned house. You go in and you talk to her, and I can't remember why, but we ended up, like, punching her. Because she's, I guess, because she's clearly, like, insane. Yeah, I don't know. We just Or pun- hostile I, in I some like- way. Uh, and tell, tell the story because I actually want to parlay a story into this. So. Okay. And then we ended up just punching her, and our head immediately just falls off. Mm-hmm. And w- w- we were we had never heard of this game, or maybe you had. I don't remember how we started playing it, but we didn't know anything about it. And that was just like so absurd and unexpected to us. That was that was the moment I fell in love with the game. <laughs> yeah, because she falls over, and she's also like half wasp. Or maybe there's a wasp nest around her legs. No, no, it is 100% like a wasp abdomen. Okay. No, absolutely clear. She's a literal wasp. She's lady. literally a wasp. Uh, the story of Harvester, not the plot of Harvester, but the story of why uh, we played Harvester and, by extension, why we're talking about it right now, is like one of my favorite things, <laughs> uh, which is... We were, for uh, a lot of our adult life, Andy and I have been, like, playing weird games because we just happen to be two people who would look at something and go, that looks stupid, let's try it. And uh, at one, one of the times we uh, got together to do this, we I had downloaded a couple of games that, uh, like, a, a PC publisher that, like, just buys up old games and then distributes them had put out a bunch of new stuff on Steam and I just bought like a handful of them and the one that we loaded up was a game where you play as a cockroach it's called Bad Mojo and we played it for about 10 or 15 minutes and we were just like we hate this and turned it off yeah like the the user interface was horrible like, mm-hmm. for a point and click like it was almost unplayable yeah it, like, it was a disaster it's really confusing people like it so I don't want to like completely oh. trash on it but like we didn't like it. It was bad, and yeah. it felt bad to play. Uh, so we stopped it, and then started browsing through the rest of it, and found a harvester. And so when we got to the point where we were talking to the lost lady, at this point we'd just come off of another game that we'd played for fifteen minutes, and we're like, "This is a stupid game. Let's just like fuck around and do whatever." And so we just decided to assault the wasp lady with no provocation whatsoever, and that happened. And I think that's when we were just like. We're going to finish this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a fantastic hook. And as far as I can tell, there is absolutely no purpose to the Wasp Lady. She doesn't interact with any other character as far as I found. Her death is like commented on like once to no effect if you kill her. (laughs) And if you don't, she's also never commented on again. (laughs) She's just this weird subversive Wasp lover that I think is supposed to make fun of like new age health people kind of. Possibly. Yeah, she is mentioned I think by the firemen because they say her house is a fire hazard. She's Mm -hmm, got all the dried out Wasp nests in the old house. And she's also mentioned by I think uh, the sheriff, Dwayne Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne Dwayne. Uh, But that's it. And 
There's a weird part where she talks about the wasp and they do one of those weird repetitive cutscenes they do where it <laughs> zooms in up real close and it shows its eye and it's got the harvester symbol in the eye. And right. I was like, is this supposed to be like like a camera? Like, is it supposed to be like a hidden camera wasp? Are they spying on people with the wasps? But then I'm no. Yeah. I thought maybe like, that's where they were going with it. Yeah, but you don't really need a hidden camera system inside your simulated reality. No. You can but... kind of just, you know, look at the simulation <laughs> but however I didn't, you want. I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. You know? Like mm-hmm. I I thought maybe that's what they were doing, but no. That, that would be a genius move. It's like that episode of Black Mirror with the bee, the like robot bees. Mm-hmm. You just like have a swarm of wasps. And, like, nobody would ever notice that they were cameras. They would just think they were wasps. Per, uh, the perfect crime. <laughs> I feel like your cameras would be disproportionately destroyed because they're fucking wasps. And everyone hates them and wants them to die. That's true. And, like, runs from them whenever they see them. It's a camera <laughs> that incentivizes people to go away from the camera. It's not a good camera. No, that's a bad camera. It is sure. very bad. Speaking of other things that are bad... Uh, the rest of the game. Yeah, Harvester <laughs> uh, from 1996. Right. Uh, actual moment-to-moment gameplay. I'm not much of a point-and-click guy. Surprisingly, not stuck very often with this. Man, the, the big troubles on my end were mostly figuring out the tape axe system to get through windows. Because mm-hmm. you have to do it twice. Yeah, well, yeah, but like I never... Is that just like a, a wives' tale I'm unaware of? We, you, you put tape on a window and smash it? We had exactly the same reaction to this. <laughs> I have no idea where the fuck that comes from. Me neither. I even tried to like physically work it out in my head as to like why that's a thing. Yes. Because like, I can kind of see like maybe it keeps the glass together so right. there's less on the ground, but like... Why do you care? And then <laughs> I also thought, like, maybe if you, like, had the tape in the glass, then you broke it, the tape would, like, off-balance it and have it fall out instead of in. But then, like, also, why would you care? Isn't it a noise thing? <laughs> yeah, I assumed it was, like, yeah, less no- shards hitting the ground. That could be But a why thing. doesn't yeah. the whole one piece just, like, hit the ground? Uh, yeah, I, think, up mass? I think it's that, like, the actual impact doesn't make as much noise. It kind of just goes, like... And then it and then it fall. I don't know because then you have to carry a pillow. That's just bringing more things to the scene of the crime, Janja. Yeah, (laughs) and you're already carrying around like a a baseball bat and a axe and a ladder and a thing of fabric and also like every imaginable thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we kind of had an opposite experience when we played. Like I think the open nature of the town and how long conversations with people can be like. It felt like it took us forever to, like, find the critical path of what to do. Day one is so freeform and you have access to everything immediately, which in retrospect is probably a mistake. Mm -hmm. But it it gives a cool, silly tone to the opening of the game, too. Yeah, I think they want that. Well, it's obvious right off the bat, but I think they want, like, the off nature of the town to like wave over you like just letting you see all the weird characters like every new place like the school and all i mean the the police station and all the weird satire that they have on all those different kinds of institutions the various rapists and masturbators yes. populating <laughs> this town yeah the uh the the deal with like mechanically speaking like and and obviously i i agree that the the 
purpose of it being this open is mostly a tone thing. Uh, but from a, a point and clicks, like as an overview of point and click games, uh, Harvester is a little bit unique in that your inventory is unlimited pretty much completely. Like you can just carry anything that you want. And so you have like a million things on you all the time in this game. And so the open nature of it makes it just feel like you go around everywhere, you collect everything, and then you do adventure game puzzles. And I think that when we played it initially, we didn't do that. We just went to a place, found a puzzle, then tried to think of the solution, which mm-hmm. is what causes us to get stuck so much. I think if you approach this like a regular adventure game, you're going to get stuck and you're going to fuck up sometimes. Uh, whereas if you play this game like a collectathon or something, or just like a walking simulator that happens to have puzzles, then it's going to be a lot easier to sort of make your way through it. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of point and clicks, and way even more so with Harvester, this is a fantastic party game. Maybe one of my like just top five party games at all, especially if you have friends that don't play video games. Because mm. uh, I know this from experience, uh, because I've played it, I actually play, did my playthrough with uh, two other people who just generally don't play games in the room, just like making the decisions. And from the perspective of most people, point and clicks like this are just the weirdest, creepiest movies that you can ever imagine. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, And it becomes so just mind numbing. Like you have no idea what's around any corner in Harvester and being able to work through the, the puzzles and have more people to remember details with you makes a lot of the like moment to moment gameplay on that nice. Uh, and I don't know. It's just, it's so crazy. It's it's something that people need to see. This is something I'm going to show people forever. Yeah, yeah. it's, I don't, and a lot of that I think comes from playing it now. Mm-hmm. Like, this game is such like a time capsule. It's such like a, it's so, it, it felt like it was being so edgy. Like the intro cinematic is like showing off the FMV. Like it's so amazing. Yeah. And like it, it feels like, yeah, it's being really edgy with its commentary. And like, but it, it's just such a unique mix of things. Like the parts of it are like supposed to be funny, but then things that aren't supposed to be funny are, and things that are supposed to be funny are just weird. And like it just, <laughs> this game, yeah, this game is definitely worth checking out and that's exactly what a b-movie is like what you just described it's a weird ambiguity between what parts of a work are something that's like meaningful and that they tried at and failed horribly and which parts of a work are something they intended to be funny and are or aren't like you have no idea with movies once the kind of quality or when you're looking back far enough and just the, the resources are so low yeah you can never know for certain, often on a first playthrough, like what you're supposed to feel when you look at some of these things. Your feelings can get so conflicted. Uh, and Harvester is 100% that. Like, it will elicit a response from you, whether it's like laughter or vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, on that note, because I'm not 100% sure that we're going to go forever on this one, uh, do we want to take a break now? come back in a little bit yes fuck i'm hot oh my god dude I as soon as you walked in i was like whew <laughs> <laughs> it is hot today mm-hmm. it's because of all the wine mm-hmm. you've had too many bottles of wine i have w- one <laughs> bottle of wine between three people <laughs> 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 Woo! you're supposed to let me 
present Chad as like a huge wine guy, uh, Andy. Uh, Jesus, like why can't I just lie on the internet with you in the room? Welcome back from the break. Uh, the narrative of Harvester, if you can call it that, is one of the strangest sort of like sequences of events, like if you were to lay it out like block by block. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love that, but also kind of despise it at the same time. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that in any way, but you mean like the like the scenario writing of the game, like the sequence of things that you as the player do. Yeah, there's, there's a level of ambiguity here because it is an adventure game. So like the majority of the game is just sort of like uh, g- assembling the narrative from what you're given and being delivered a hefty amount of dialogue, mm-hmm. but. As far as, like, narratives go, I like how off-the-wall this is, but at the same time, from a puzzle-solving perspective, it makes it really hard to grasp what you should be doing at any given moment. Yeah, it kind of, like, messes with the adventure game logic when the logic of the game is so unpredictable. What do you mean by that? Because I actually found the logic to be, like, weirdly kind of blasé. Well, that's what I mean, is that you wouldn't expect that from the narrative of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you you do just kind of do normal problem-solving things. There really isn't, like, any kind of mechanical coherence with the madness that's going on around you. In a lot of ways, it feels like this game, especially from the cutscenes, wanted to be a movie in a lot of ways, but I feel like it would have been less notable if it was a movie, so I'm glad that it is a game. No, yeah, if it was a movie, this would be a train wreck. Yeah, it would be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Sort of a train wreck now. What? It's just like a really coincidentally cool train yeah, wreck. Yeah, like a beautiful train wreck. It's like a train wreck that like managed to get on top of a whole bunch of power lines and like mm-hmm. skewered the train in like three exact places, and that was just holding it on top of the ground like some <laughs> kind of like meat display or fancy candle for a birthday cake. Meat displays being something that are <laughs> just very common in this game, also. Yeah, it's like. The first day, especially, like, the puzzle solving you need to do is, like, very simple and mundane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, this, it gets a little bit weirder as it goes. Like, the most notable one from, like, the f- first chunk of the game before you get into the lodge is how you have to go into the Potsdam's house, get the lube out of their medicine cabinet, right? take it out front of the post office or barbershop or whatever, uh, and then use it to get the manhole key unstuck from the manhole, take it to Mr. Johnson's house, open the manhole, sneak into his, like, reinforced garage to scratch his Tucker, which is his prized car. Yeah. Sidebar. Tucker is... A euphemism for penis, right? Like, not in the game, but just, like, in society. I feel like I've heard the phrase scratch your tucker before. Okay, hold on. That may be the case. I don't think I've ever heard anyone use it that way. Same. But the way it's used in the game, it's absolutely <laughs> a euphemism for penis. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, like, like the first, one of the first things he says is that he's been waxing his tucker. And, like, that's that's obviously just means masturbation like yeah no no buts about it <laughs> that, that character as a whole 
I mean, I'll be as despicable as every character in this game is, uh, does, like, kind of... Because, like, he starts this whole conversation where he's, like, making jokes about you having a fiancé implying that you are also having sex, which is, like, something that a fourth grader would do. Mm-hmm. But also, like, like you can see it from this character. You're just like, whatever, like, this is this guy's personality. And then there's all of the talk about his Tucker. You can't talk right now. He's all tired because he was waxing his Tucker. And it's like this big masturbation gag. And then, like, he immediately segues into being like, she just needed a big, hard penis. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the fact that he uses the word penis is, like, uncharacteristically <laughs> like shockingly catches you off guard it's because you not don't euphemistic. expect it yeah because yeah, it isn't euphemism anymore yeah. he's now using clinical dialogue <laughs> and then steve even says it right back and it mm-hmm. feels weird to hear him say it too mm-hmm. yeah it's like because it goes from this joking context to like a it, like self-aware <laughs> yeah. immediately like yeah we were making a penis joke <laughs> yeah penis <laughs> Uh, it's really like uh, nothing about this game obviously like tracks from point A to point B in a logical sense Mm -hmm. but the dialogue in particular is just like all over the place with what somebody's gonna say next like it's so strange yeah yeah and it gets to its credit at least from my memory of the game, like more and more focused around um, the sheriff being obviously like covering things up. Mm-hmm. Like it tends to like go more and more into like Steve trying to uncover stuff and people just like excusing it and being like, drifters f- float in all the time and they just die. Yeah, <laughs> nothing suspicious there, Steve. Uh, right. The the fire at the newspaper. Don't worry about it. Like, the sheriff didn't find anything. Yeah. It's fine. You know, everyone just excuses all the crime. And it, it focuses, I think, more and more in on that as it goes. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, it, it focuses on these individual narratives, which is much more interesting than focusing on Steve's, like, attempt to get into the lodge, which is the overall, like, plot structure of the game, uh, is, is solely focused on that. Uh, not focusing on it and sort of reveling in like the insanity that's presented to you in the town is far more interesting from like a gameplay experience perspective. I don't know. I kind of think this game gets lazy toward the end. Like I feel like it had a really, really good solid idea with pretty much everything that's presented to you on day one and a lot of the escalations of the disgustingness and craziness on the subsequent in-town days. But it kind of felt to me like the actual interior of the lodge was a bit of a letdown because a lot of the tropes that I saw there were things that I'd seen before. And the game stopped caring about there being any kind of like overtures of normalcy, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like the thing that I found so cool about this was the mix of the like, 1950s aesthetic being subverted by like the crazy violence and madness mm-hmm. and instead like i just found myself in like a resident evil house at the end of the game yeah i completely agree i feel like the beginning of the game i think doesn't get enough credit at least based on what i've read like i think it does a pretty good job of making you uncomfortable and 
subverting your expectations of and like making whatever kind of loose commentary it's trying to make uh but then once you hit the lodge it's becomes exactly what you'd expect from like a like it feels really like standard like trying to be gross like kind of immature like rote things you've seen before like you said like it it becomes way less clever and like that second half of the game i think makes you appreciate the first half more agreed at least it did for me yeah uh i i actually would argue i'm gonna push back on what you said in that the second half of the game it's like the last act of the game feels lazy because i think that's giving it too much credit because it doesn't seem to be like lackadaisically assembled it's more it it is just bad design (laughs) it's like they'd set out to make an adventure game because that was what they were capable of making and the last part of it is just like these are the things that adventures game adventure games have that we haven't put in the game yet like an awkward combat system and a puzzle where you fit pipes together like it's not interesting it's not new it's not even subversive to the genre it's just there and it it just feels like going through the motions well, and even the combat system isn't even a thing that other point and clicks really have. <laughs> yeah, the combat yeah. system's bizarre. Yeah. And the thing is, you have it the whole time. Like we said, we punched the wasp lady's head off, like, the first, you know, minutes in the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, you don't ever have to really use it until you get to the lodge. And Jesus Christ. Do you have to use it? Do you it? have to use it? And, like, when we were playing it the first time, like, we had to cheat mm-hmm. to get, like, infinite health. Because it's so hard. <laughs> like, it's it's weirdly, it feels weirdly tacked on and just poorly implemented. And I don't really get it. Yeah. For my, at like, any retroactive, like viewing of our attempts at going through the lodge part of the game uh we cheated and i think that the reason that we couldn't beat it without that is because we were trying to insert nuance where there wasn't any like we should have just mashed the attack button (laughs) like i think mash the attack button is the way to win and we were trying to like yeah but there's also like they introduce like multiple weapons and i feel like they like you want to like conserve ammo on the gun for certain parts and like things you wouldn't think to do in this game right yeah like it's so weird and like certain weapons have more reach and you want to like you want to use this weapon against this guy because this weapon guy's weapon has this much reach and you want to outrange him so you don't get hit like i feel like that's the kind of thing they're going for and it's just like feels terrible (laughs) and and these are all like resident evil questions right these are all things that you would be doing in that kind of survival horror genre and you're trying to play it with a point and click interface right it is not tense not amenable it's just kind of persistently annoying i don't know what i wouldn't have done if i hadn't found the shotgun i probably would have quit the game if i hadn't found the shotgun yeah for sure yeah well not only that but uh i don't remember when you get the nail gun but like my favorite dude in in the uh, 
in the lodge portion of the game is just the guy who's mopping the floor and is like, hey, give me a little space here. You can't walk on the floor. And so you just have to kill him with a ranged weapon. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the solution to the puzzle. (laughs) The guy yells at you if you walk on the floor. So you won't walk on the floor to go kill him. You kill him from range. (laughs) Showing a weird amount of respect for the guy's wishes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, you don't want to accidentally slip. No, yeah, it'd be him. really dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah like all these. Bl- you've got. You're literally strapped with swords and knives. Tripping <laughs> yeah. and falling down would be a death sentence. So all this talk of the lodge has made me think of the, like the the guy in charge of it. I can't remember his name. Like they have a weird name for him. Yeah, he's like the the marshal of the lodge or whatever oh, yeah. you mean the eldritch king yeah okay. the guy with the hood yeah He's, he communicates telepathically mm-hmm. so like everyone else in the game speaks and their mouth moves but him it just doesn't and it it feels so weird because it feels like a thing that you would do for cost reasons right but it's clearly not in this case yeah, because, because everyone else everything out. yeah because everyone else is talking it's like what that's so weird to me but anyway just a side note there. Kind of niche comparison here, but the Lodge segment at the end of the game, one I could not get out of my head how much it felt like a bad dungeon crawl D&D game. Like, 100% a lot of the same tropes and problems that you encounter in those kind of designs are here, where it's just like, uh, I have an idea for a scene. I'm just going to put that in a room and then connect it with a hallway to another room that has another distinct scene. Right. And you just keep doing that over and over again. And it felt like none of the systems were really play-tested, and a lot of things that you end up being incentivized to do, like spamming the attack button, feels so unintuitive that like, even the players don't want to do it. Right. And you get these awkward circumstances going, and nothing makes sense, and it's you're like reusing it was stuff. Design- like Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, not any other property. Yeah. Well, that, like, you that just tells go like go through it and look at shit. That that tells like a cohesive story, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is more than this does. Yeah, this like with no ceremony whatsoever, just starts throwing you into like the trials of like this is the yeah, temple the... of the mystery of this other thing. Yeah, like neat, cool, thanks. Anyway, later. Yeah, and it's not like set up at all. Like, oh, you'll have to face these trials. It's like, oh no, you just found a trial. Do it. <laughs> Uh, here's and you guy... never have to like solve the puzzle or demonstrate you an understanding. You just person. murder somebody. Yeah. yeah. So you're not actually solving any kind of mystery or learning any kind of lesson. <laughs> you're just murdering a guy. Well, you are learning about how useful murder is, yes. which is really the whole point of the system. For yeah. Sure, in the yeah. narrative, they just murder like, everyone in the lodge. Like here's a bunch of rooms with complex philosophical problems. Oh, you don't have to care. You have a gun. That's. It feels like a good <laughs> lesson to me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, you do also learn that the Lord is a field of wombats or something. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's 100% what I'm talking about with like, <laughs> yeah. amateur D&D stuff. Like, what is that joke? Okay, whoa. <laughs> what? what? What does that have to do with D&D design? We're like, calling you out, JJ. <laughs> Not everything well, is Dungeons like, and Dragons. A, a common D&D design mistake is putting in some kind of nonsensical riddle that makes absolutely no sense (laughs) putting in weird jabs to religion that make no sense and have no context that's the connection okay okay gotcha boom oh my god the lunch sucked (laughs) yeah it's pretty lackluster now i 
I would kind of agree with JJ's original statement. Like, I don't know if it feels lazy necessarily, but it is a miss for sure. Yeah. Also, one of my least favorite uses of the this is a simulation trope <laughs> I've ever experienced. Yeah. There's Why did this? Did they want to make this a simulation? Like, like it's honestly, the parallel between the, the, that, this simulation and an actual video game. Because the the statement that the game is making is it is ridiculous to assume that playing a violent video game would make you into a violent person. Therefore, the whole game has to itself be a video game. It doesn't. You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's because you're right. It doesn't have to be a game. That's just the way they chose to tell this narrative. Uh-huh. And to, it tracks. It makes some amount of sense because it's not... Uh, without that, it kind of feels like... And a it's an all media thing, yeah. but with that, it makes it more specific to video games. Yeah, I even kind of like the idea on paper. It's of like the whole 1950s society being like a weird subversive simulation of itself, but it's the execution. Like I feel like it would it would work a lot better if you just didn't tell the player. Like if you sprinkled it in as like environmental hints that it all wasn't real and didn't actually tell the player in the end. Yeah. But, you know, if this game this had... is all hindsight stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like if this game had that kind of point, it feel like it feels like the logic that would have been applied here if it was applied to something like Spec Ops the Line would have had the last scene of that game be like zooming out from a TV screen to see like a 16-year-old who's overweight eating Doritos, like, with a shocked look on his face with a microphone over his head. like yeah, a, a shocked look and a dual shock through. <laughs> and a Mountain Dew yeah. in it, his other hand. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And a Mountain Dew live wire. Yeah. The most shocking form of Mountain Dew. <laughs> Correct. It's gotta be Game Fuel, man. <laughs> no, I feel like LimeWire... Or is it LimeWire? Lime. It's LimeWire. Okay. LimeWire was a P2P uh, <laughs> file sharing service. So LimeWire is just in the background while he's drinking LiveWire. Exactly. But yes. I feel like LiveWire... We're mixing metaphors. It, it, we are. Is the way more, like, sad version of Mountain oh, Dew what about compared Code to GameFuel? Code Red, I feel like, has a weird amount of general societal appeal. Or that could it does. Just, like, Everyone remembers it fondly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to push back on all of this. Livewire is the best version of Mountain Dew, and Game Fuel is 100% the saddest form of Mountain Dew. <laughs> I actually really liked the original Game Fuel. Agreed. I think most people do. I didn't do. say it was bad. I said it was sad. Okay, <laughs> okay fair. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, all right. I'll allow it. If I'm drinking a soda that has an orc on the can, I immediately regret <laughs> well, most it was, of my it decisions. Wasn't, it wasn't World of Warcraft. It was Halo. Was the it, they had a WoW version for the WoW yeah, film. I know, but it was different. That's I'm, the one that I'm familiar with. Right? There are many fuels of the gamer needs. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> this is we've talked about Mountain Dew so many fucking times on this podcast. Well, it's because you get double EXP with doing Doritos. <laughs> This is the reason we do that, yes. Okay, fine, fine. We'll meet your standards, Chad. Uh-huh, Dr. You. Thunder, new official soda of Jokes of the Podcast. Also shocking. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Thunder all the way. Right, so, shock Expression, Dual Shock 3, and Dr. 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 Thunder. Yeah, what about Jolt Cola? Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is going to go on forever. <laughs> well, Surge, also electrical in... Yeah, mm-hmm. but anyway, and then the credits roll on Spec Ops: The Line. Where was this coming from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Other reason that it's a good party game is because you don't don't finish it. Don't finish it. Just play it until you get bored, and then put it down. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that's a pretty good point. I feel like your overall experience with the game would be a lot better if 
if you just sat down with like someone else or a group of people played through as much of like the initial like what is it like four or five days that you could get through without looking anything up and then just right. quit that's probably going to be your best harvester experience like most things that have most of their value from shock value you want them to be brief you want them to be yeah. like real big spikes of cool and shock yeah also despite the fact that the lodge has by far the most like quantity of violence in it from the <laughs> okay actually i would regret not seeing the chess master split his own head open with an axe <laughs> that was genuinely really funny um but the majority of it like is just so rote and un like uninteresting that like everything that happens even though it's not as grotesque or as like in your face is what happens in the lodge is way more shocking than the stuff that happens in the lodge. Like I've played Mortal Kombat even in 1996. I mean, I a hypothetical player of Harvester would have already played Mortal Kombat and seen somebody get their spine ripped out. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty graphic and that's basically on par with what happens in the lodge. But like the, yeah, like your mom, like, thumbing a baby's eyeball back into its skull, that's disgusting and shocking and is way more of that than anything that happens yeah. later in the game. Yeah, and I want to give a special shout-out to when you first, like, get into your dad's room as oh, yeah. being the most, like, disturbing thing in the game for me. Because, like, it starts out, like, in the beginning of the game that, like, your dad is in his room... I get your mom implies that you they had like rough sex and he was really tired or something weird. <laughs> yeah. um, but like day like three or four, you're able to like actually get into the room from the window, and it, he's just like been being tortured. He's like in a full body cast, like in a bed. Like he can barely move. There's like blood everywhere. There's like weird photos on the wall it's just like i don't know what exactly about it but that was like really disturbing to me like that stumbling upon that it was so unexpected yeah like the weird torture dungeon that's yeah. just like a wall away from you yeah and it has to do with that like 50s couple dynamic like is what makes that work so well mm -hmm. just yeah just wanted to give a shout out to that as being very effective for me yeah I want to give a shout out to that framed photograph of a man's ass. Yes. <laughs> All red and stingy. Yeah, it's just so... I love the, the concept, like the, the thought process <laughs> behind having like a, like a large scale photo of an ass. <laughs> and then just being like, we should hang this up. Like, have go take you to Walmart and have them print out like a 24 by 36 poster sized image of an ass. <laughs> Buy a huge frame, <laughs> fucking put it on the mat, stick it in the frame, and take a hammer and and put nails into a plaster to then hang a photo of a man's ass on the wall. In your bedroom. In your bedroom. It's so good. And it's the same photo as the porn magazine from the first day. <laughs> it's also oh, so, yeah, yeah. so they saw that ass and was like, we need that. Yeah. And they're hanging. Wait. Is it, a, is it an actual real-life ass? I'm guessing, yeah. I don't think it is. It looks like a drawing, or like a... 
illustration to me. Yeah, it seemed too pink to be like any yeah. real ass. But well, the I think what it, to me it reads as a photograph of an ass that they took the spray paint tool and paint. <laughs> And just, like, put some, like, rosy I mean, red cheeks on it. No, no, it's definitely, like, a drawn... A like, drawn it's, it's, an ass. Il- it's an illustration. From my memory, anyway. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I'd be surprised. <laughs> As I wanted to argue it, that it, it looks... feels out of place in comparison yeah. to the rest of the background, but everything in Harvester is out of place from every other thing in Harvester, mm-hmm. so maybe not. I feel like I refuse... To let the podcast end on a discussion about an ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what options does this game realistically give us? Like, you got <laughs> murder, masturbation, like rape. That's mm-hmm. like, that's really all you have. What about the awkward sex scene? We didn't talk about that. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. The that horrible is... peephole scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. So. <laughs> Your character is has amnesia, as we've said, and he's supposedly engaged to this girl, Stephanie, who lives next door, and <laughs> you go over to her house, and you talk about to her parents, and all the adults weirdly talk about you having sex with her. Yeah. Um, and, and they do, too. Uh, no exception. Uh, you go, And eventually, like, third-ish day, you can trigger a sex scene with her, and... Prior to that, like, one of the first couple of days, you probably found that there's a peephole that looks into her room in the bathroom. And when you trigger the sex scene, her dad watches you through the peephole and jerks off. And, like, just the most awkward scene in every imaginable way. (laughs) Like, the, the masturbation part, the actual sex part, even if they were divorced, would still both be very awkward. Yeah. The uh, acting is questionable. Yep. Uh, well, that makes it better, frankly. Well, that's 100% true. The, the, the best scene in Harvester, <laughs> period, is, is just Steve dramatically throwing off his flannel. <laughs> his, Dude, uh, the number of times that he takes that shirt off is really funny to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> multiple times we just get to like watch him just take his shirt, shirt off, off, and he's just like, you know an average-looking, like, 20-some-year-old guy. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. like, taking his shirt off, going to bed. Like, I'm glad Steve isn't a good actor. Like, because one of the things that makes him seem so out of place is how much he doesn't sell anything he's doing as if he's, like, part of any kind of film or movie. Right. Like, it's literally just... You can self-insert so much better with Steve because Steve's just like, who the fuck are you? Like, what yeah. are you doing? He's like a reg. He's the average Joe of average Joes. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I kept like, and I'm not an, I've never been in a production of anything. I've never been an actor in anything. The closest I've ever come is doing this podcast. And like, after watching a line delivered by Steve, I would always sit there and go like, no, 100% I could deliver that line better. Like, <laughs> I know I could do that. How did this happen? Like, how does a person be this bad? Uh, it, well, and also the editing is a little bit to blame for that. Yeah. I remember certain scenes where it felt like they would cut to Steve and he would say something, and then the cut would just kind of, like, drag where there was no dialogue at all for a few seconds, and then it would cut, and that always felt weird. And then also the cinematography, I don't know what the hell they were doing, where it would just be like, 
very frequently there would be extreme close-ups on characters' faces. Yeah, and I also would notice the exact opposite problem to what you described, where things would cut really quickly. Like, like you said the scene where the chess guy just takes the axe to his head. It's like, (laughs) the part where you're playing chess against him ends, and he just, like, immediately hits himself in the head, and then it cuts back to gameplay, and it happens like that. Uh And, And, you know, it's just... It feels like it's probably a limitation of the uh, full motion video, like mm-hmm. how they were able to edit and how much like footage they had to use for that particular scene and whatever. Because like any special effect that they did had to be in a in a cutaway to something, mm-hmm. like the dog licking its lips. Oh, like, yeah. Was that necessary? No, but they wanted to do it. So what they had to do was be like, we have to give him meat in order for him to stop barking. Pause. Load cutscene, dog licks his <laughs> lips awkwardly while remaining motionless, then cuts back to regular gameplay. Like, just to, like, add an extra sort of, like, like little bit of extra to the punchline, mm-hmm. that's, they had to do all that shit mm-hmm. to do it. They yeah, just, and then mm-hmm. the audio will kind of, like, not sync with the cuts sometimes, too, and it's, yeah. <laughs> but... Because of how quick the cuts were, I actually still don't know what the solution to, like, the Mr. Kane guy puzzle is. The one you have to get the book from. I don't know either. Like, his eyes just fall out from my perspective, and I don't know what I did to cause that. Uh, well, if you hit him with anything, I think his eyes come out. Oh, that's, that's the solution to the mystic puzzle? Was hit him in his I head? I think you just hit him in the head, yeah. Okay. Or, no, but I don't know either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a weird game. Yeah. Do you have fun? But thought? like a <laughs> delightfully weird game. Yeah. Yeah, what a delightfully strange game. Probably the thing while we're on cinematography that's the weirdest to me and some of the most delightful and I think helps this game out in its strange comedic B-movie vibe is how much light a lot of the horror scenes are shot in. Like... We're describing all of these things, and the picture you're painting in your mind of, like, a baby's eyes come out of its head, like, it's probably, you're probably picturing some kind of, like, darkly lit horror movie scene, like a hostile vibe, and it is not that at all. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why, like, you can genuinely go through it and have, like, a disgust reaction, but not be scared in any way. Like, this game is not scary at all all right everything is like fully brightly lit with like one exception maybe which is that teacher scene when she smiles with the eyes right with actually baseball and batting the kid in the head but like all the horrible violence is displayed like directly on screen matter of factly uh in a way that's not designed to be like surprising or jarring even if it could be considering the tech limitations of the time you know load so long to get all these fm videos up in the first place but yeah I was never scared, and you probably won't be scared either, despite how horrific all the things we're describing sound, because of how just, like, clear and in-your-face all of it is. That's a pretty good point, because, like, horror directors tend to shoot, uh, like, dark scenes, largely because, like, well, yeah, it's like the whole, the less you show, the more the audience yeah. has Obscure to, like, think detail. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in order to figure out what they think is going on. Whereas Harvester... Uh, and this is this is a, a lot of credit if this was intentional because uh, this is very good. Uh, the fact that everything is displayed plainly so that there's no ambiguity as to what's going on makes it so much more effective as like a weird t- like off kilter town where, as opposed to a straight up horror movie. Like this is something that you're expected to deal with 
as like on like at face value on a regular basis. Yeah, for an entire week of gameplay, which is like probably about between like six and ten hours, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and so that's like that's what you have. They just give it to you. Like here, this everything is just out on display. You don't have to like be nervous about it. <laughs> Weird game. Good game. For a little while. Yeah. Final thoughts? <laughs> Is that your spooky October final thoughts? That's voice? if Chad was cast as a character in Harvester. That would be his voice. Yeah. 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 All this talk about like, oh, I could totally do both than that. <laughs> and then I break that one yeah. out of the vault. Yeah. I say out of the vault like I've ever done that voice before. You have done that voice before. 100%. <laughs> of the time. That's your normal voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a slightly male twinged version of your it's gonna rain soon voice that's, that's all right. that is i only do two voices so <laughs> it's not really i'm sorry <clears throat> so do we have final thoughts on this very weird this wacky wild and wonderful game um i don't even it's hard for me to even talk about this game uh because I feel like we had a really ideal experience with it. Like we found this on a whim and ha- did, we're not expecting anything and ended up finding this like weirdly surreal <laughs> time capsule of a game. But I think if you ever liked, have ever liked point and clicks, uh, get a couple friends together uh, and just go through this for the, the experience uh, and you'll probably have like a pretty memorable time. Like I think this game it's got a lot more going for it. I think than it's given credit for. Like it does fall apart towards the end, and it is a mixed bag. But overall, I think this game's worth experiencing. If you and your friends hey, have like a bad movie night that you guys consistently do, this can for one night be like a little bit more of an active alternative to that where instead of passively sitting back and laughing at the efforts of some other human being you can put harvester on and then everyone would be like oh my god let's go to the mail room next and then you go there (laughs) and you'd see a guy talk about crazy things like a blind woman just standing in a corner uh like this is something considering the price these days especially it's good for like one great night of entertainment there is not a lot going on here after after that surface level cool surrealness. Mm-hmm. Just let it be that. Don't dig any deeper. Because even if this, this game thinks it has something meaningful to say, it's not good at saying it. <laughs> and certainly doesn't get it across to us and we were looking for it. Yeah. Uh, so just have just laugh, have beer, enjoy Harvester, set it down. Yeah. Uh, all, all the shit that we were talking about uh, during this entire episode basically where we were ragging on particular choices and things that that happened in the game with the exception of the stuff in the lodge and even then with some things in it that do add all of the negatives in this game are just veiled positives like this game is such a a a good experience from a like comedic standpoint whether it's jokes that are supposed to be jokes and land or things that aren't supposed to be jokes and land anyway it just like is this wackiness and it does have that bad movie night feel 
in that, like, if you play this game, like, I, we've played this game twice now and watched, like, parts of it on, uh, like, YouTube or whatever, and have sh- I've shown it to at least, like, one or two other people. You do get to that point where you, like, are kind of, like, you can quote some lines, like, some of the choice lines in this game. Mm-hmm. And obviously the game even kind of, it wants that. Like, it, it's built for that culture, uh, both in its tone and the fact that, like, characters have catchphrases. So... Uh, yeah, so I got totally fucking, uh, trumped by you guys on saying the exact thing (laughs) that you should take away from this. Yeah, we all kind of loved it, but only for, like, the first half. (laughs) Yep. Also, uh... You always were a kidder, Steve. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) uh, also, I guess, just to, like, wrap up... In relation to that idea of getting people together to play this game, if you haven't tried it, get people together to play other adventure games, because I think that despite being a literally only single-player genre, they're actually way better with two people. Yeah, I think I said this on maybe The Cat Lady, but like I think one of the reasons I like the genre so much is because I usually play these games with other people. Like I even did mm-hmm. growing up as well. It's just more entertaining to talk things over. Uh, particularly in in a typically lighthearted genre. Yeah, and then you, one of the big problems with point and clicks, I think, is when you have certain kind of blind spots mm-hmm. where things don't occur to you, and other people can like fill in the things you don't think of, and vice versa, and it kind of makes for a more smooth playing experience. I think, for sure. Also, uh, Steve for Smash. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, God. <laughs> Steve harvests the competition. <laughs> the uh, My favorite thing is that uh, like, there's a, a lot of surprisingly serious talk about Minecraft getting representation in Smash Ultimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, like, the main character, like, the player character in Minecraft is frequently referred to as Steve. And so people are now unironically saying Steve for Smash. <laughs> and I'm like, now I can finally get behind this Steve for Smash. You might be able to get a skin in there later. Yeah. 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 Alternate costume, you're like, why would I... People will think it's just a joke. You'd be like, oh, you took the blocky guy and you just made him a normal-looking photorealistic <laughs> dude. dude. And they won't even know. I feel like they might know something's up oh. when, his, when his final Smash is ripping the skull and spine out yeah. of an of alternative. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be about par for the course for Ultimate right now. What? I mean, Luigi got fucking cut open with a scythe. Oh, all the characters get killed in the trailers thing. Yeah. Oh, wait, it's he like got, a meme. He got cut open? I thought he got just, like, cut down. He got his way. soul cleaved out of his body. Okay, but that's pretty... That's comedic. I, I could see Mario getting his that's soul cleaved. That's comedic. <laughs> It is! What? It, it's well, just... when it's Luigi right, and, yeah, yeah. like, a Castlevania Grim Reaper man. We also laughed openly about a guy getting his head split open on this one, which yes. was just a regular guy. So the impression we're giving off is, death is fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, good. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about... <laughs> Equity. <laughs> That's what it sounded like you were gonna yeah. say. We're gonna talk about stocks and bonds next time. Next time, no we're clip. Clip financial. The podcast. game of the stock market. <laughs> 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 this.
This is a real horror game. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the scariest thing we've talked about yeah. yet. Yeah. We're and in a bull market next week <laughs> on the Netflix podcast. Next time, we're going to be talking about Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem on the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, to continue Halloween. Ooh, spooky. Also, check out No Clip Pocket. We just put out an episode about Year Walk. And uh, next time we're going to be talking about Night Trap. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. You can find uh, our YouTube videos, all of our old episodes, things like that. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, on iTunes and Google Play, and uh, yeah, I, what what were you gonna say? <laughs> I thought you were going to say you can check yourself on Twitter on Twitter. Gonna <laughs> 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 uh, throw off the responsibility of finding us on them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't. Mean, it is at No Clue Podcast. Right. It's very yeah. simple. Yeah. Make sure you put out that subscribe button for Jimmy. You know how he gets. <laughs> Oh yeah, there was no payoff to that. Uh, there's an there anti is a payoff. payoff. If you don't put out the paper three times, he literally kills you with a gun. <laughs> it's very weird. And you know, go wax your Tucker in the comment section. Uh, I hate the comment section, man. It's just a bunch of guys sitting down there waxing each other's tuckers. Right. It's a big old circle wax. Am I right? <laughs> Oh, no, right, I'm, I'm, I'm okay right. with that being the end. Yeah, yeah right. thank you. You were always such a subscriber, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. We yeah. didn't have the like button. Uh, and that was the one that we're missing. Smash that like button. <laughs>